Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people, and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a new edition of Every Rocky Ever, a Colorado Rockies podcast, part of the Rocky Mountain Rooftop Network, a proud affiliate of the fans first sports network. I am your host, Skylar Timmons. And joined once again, as always, is my brother Dustin joining us. Konnichiwa. Konnichiwa. Yeah, it, we figured it's World Series time, 30th anniversary, and you know, an exciting matchup coming up between the Texas Rangers and the Arizona Diamondbacks. Diamondbacks haven't been to the World Series since 2001. Rangers have never won one, but they've been there several times. And, you know, around this time of year, Dustin, I think a lot of people, we start thinking about the 2007 season, Rocktober, and for better or for worse, it didn't end the way we hoped, but it's still fond memories that fans hold on to. And we figured this week, it's good to talk about a couple of those guys, not the big name guys, but three guys that were big contributors to that 2007 team uh, on the field, in the bullpen, in Kaz Matsui, Willie Tavares, and Manny Corpus, which were a pretty important little trio of players for the Rockies that year. Yeah, they weren't the big-name guys. Uh, Matsui and Tavares were there for short times. Contributors to that 2007 season, and especially the playoff run. And Manny Corpus was, you know, a homegrown guy that – into that closer role that in 2007 had a very solid career with the Rockies. And like you said, they weren't the big name guys, but they role players and found that success, that magic kind of what the diamondbacks are doing for this, this season, 
I see a lot of similarities. You know, a few mm-hmm. of their big name guys doing their things, but then a lot of contributors to make a magical run. And it's it's good baseball, just like it was back in two thousand seven. Yeah, no, a lot of exciting things, and yeah, there's a lot of parallels. The Rockies could draw from, especially both those teams, in just different ways that they can learn from. But we might as well hop into it here, and starting off at the top of the order with the center fielder for the majority of the 2007 season was one Willie Tavares, who was a big contributor in what was probably his best season of his career there in 2007, 2008 with the Rockies. Uh, so what, give us the quick little breakdown on Willie Tavares. So Willie Tavares, number three, center fielder, batted right through right from the Dominican Republic. And he made his major league debut with the Astros and came over to Colorado at the be- at the beginning of that 2007 season where the Rockies traded away Miguel Asensio and Jason Jennings for Taylor Buckholtz, Jason Hirsch, and Willie Tavares to play center field for him. Um, he played for the Rockies in that 2007 and 2008 seasons. And that 2008 season was really solid, great numbers. Uh, but after that, he was free agency and bounced over to Cincinnati and then to the Washington Nationals. Went back to the Rockies in 2011 as a free agent, but only made it as high as – just stayed in AAA the whole year. And then he was done out of out of uh, Major League Baseball and kind of went, went some other routes to go play a little bit longer. But that was it. That was his – Colorado Rockies career. Yeah, it's when you hear some of these names, especially guys from that 2007 team, because it was so based on, you know, homegrown talent and everything. It's surprising when you think, oh, Willie Tavares wasn't here that long. It was just a little flash in the pan that that he was patrolling center field for the Rockies there in 2007, and then knowing that stint in 2008 were solid contributor, but it seemed like he was here longer than just two years. Maybe it's because of all of his injuries, and he it just seemed like, hey, it's Willie Tavares, hey, looks pretty good. Oh, he's hurt. Uh-huh. hurt. Or And then all of a sudden, he was gone. But looking back, you always think, Willie Tavares, how many years was he there? Because he kind of, it was him, and then after, after Willie Tavares left, that's when we got the Dexter Fowler uh-huh. time in center field. But, yeah, it was quick. And that's the key thing I remember of Willie Tavares. He was quick on the base uh-huh. pads. Uh, digging into those stats. And 2007, he was okay. You know, he was hurt. And then when he was playing, it was – you know, he batted 320, 27 bunts for hit, uh, 33 stolen bases. And I was like, man, this guy, perfect leadoff. He had the speed uh-huh. threat. And I, I love, I love me a good base hit, bunt for a base hit. I was struggling. Drop a drag bunt, get on to first and get the wheels going. And, you know, he got heated up and helped out in the playoffs. 
then that 2008 season is cool looking at the research and things 68 stolen bases in 2008 mm-hmm. to lead the league holy cow I believe With that's a single season bases. franchise record that will never be broken <laughs> well now that the, unless the Brenton Doyle goals, can get on base more <laughs> get on base he, he needs to go through the film drop a bunt down it it seemed like the barrel of his bat was about that big around and he mm-hmm. put it down and rode it, mm-hmm. that's a crazy stat to think there's some guys that don't even get that many hits in a season the regular batting and, you, know, you got 27 in the one season holy cow yeah. led the league in bunts bunt hits both years he was with the Rockies which is <laughs> it's pretty he was when he could get on base he was a major threat there at the top lineup didn't drive in a lot of runs just 24 RBIs in 2007 uh, didn't have a ton in 2008 but he when he got on base more than likely those those guys were bringing him around to score where he scored a total of 128 runs in 230 games with the Rockies out of what, 946 plate appearances. So you know, not the best bat sometimes, but when he got on base, it's almost guaranteed he was coming around to score at some point. Yeah. And, and then we talked about his defense too. You think you, you think, Oh, he's got the speed. Oh, he was a gold glover. And his, uh, his, his ratings and stats weren't all that great in mm-hmm. center field. But it, again, it's kind of that time with the Rockies was so so short. We kind of don't wrap our heads around, you know, you know, we, we, the moments that we do remember of them were usually the positive ones, and not the yeah. holy cow, this guy got to make a got to make a routine play every now and then. Come on. <laughs> so, but it, another thing though, really compares is all over the Rockies records. Mm-hmm. Two inning game. Mm-hmm. Record for most at bats in a game for the Rockies. Willie Tavares with ten at bats. Oh, and that that game, holy cow! <laughs> yeah, it's kind of the uh, I guess like the myth, the mythic uh, air around 2007, and some of those players where it, it kind of. You don't think of like, oh man, that guy, Steve Finley was on the 2007 Rockies. Uh, Willie Tavares had a phenomenal year there in 2007, especially where he bat, he had a 320 average, 367 on base, a 382 slugging, uh, played 97 games. Again, injury you know, kind of hampered him, especially you know, down the stretch. No, he was absent for the most of October. I think that's the big thing too with with Willie Tavares. We can kind of transition to here now is he was absent for the October run and didn't appear until the championship series against the Arizona Diamondbacks, where it was Corey Sullivan and Ryan Spielborgs that were really holding down center field uh, down the stretch. So uh, Tavares wasn't there. I think this is the crazy thing, and then. They plug him back in when he's healthy and ready to go in the AL in the NLCS, where uh, kind of a questionable move, I think, for a lot of folks. Yeah, and 
and it wasn't like he came back and made boom and instant impact. And mm-hmm. it, I remember, I remember when it, when, Oh, Willie Tavares, because he did have a really, he had a really good season. It was like, well, the injury and you go back at that, that Rocktober run, the, you know, the, what was it 20 games out of 21 or whatever? And you're like, things are rolling. The chemistry we got Sullivan and Spielberg just, you know, putting in solid work. Now, now that we're knocking on the door of the World Series, we're going to change it. Uh-huh. And they didn't need it. Diamondbacks smoked them. But then against Boston, you know, it just didn't pan out. <laughs> But I, I think it, the one thing that paid off in that Rocktober for Willie Tavares is game two in Arizona. And they're at Chase Field, deep fly ball, deep center field into the gap. He's injured, so that knee or whatever it was, his injury, now that's still a concern. He comes flying and makes a big diving catch to, to rob a hit of extra bases and end an inning. And don't really give the Rockies that boost. There's just continual guys giving him boosts. No, and he wasn't going to do it with the bat, but he was going to do his best with the glove. And well, that was the one instance goes full Superman, makes an incredible catch. And I think that's what no asking fans on, on Twitter. That's what they remember. Tavares's catch was like the big highlight for them of that's what they remember him for, especially in 2007. Yep. Other than that, just kind of an average player, which, uh, aside from the magical 2007 season, that was really good for him. Oh, solid little career, but just weird. Just, it just <laughs> looking back, it's like, man, like I remember him being more impactful than than he maybe really was in just the whole grand scheme of things. Injuries were a problem, and struck out a lot more than you'd think, didn't get on base as much as you would think he would in his career. Somehow he got 68 stolen bases that one season. It's a weird player, weird career. Took advantage when he was on those base paths. Yeah. (laughs) Fun little connection though. Uh, Rangers center fielder, Leroy Tavares is his younger cousin for the Texas Rangers. Nice. So, Nice little full circle there. Uh, couldn't find really what he was up to now. Last I had seen was 2019. He was playing for the Sugarland Skeeters uh, when they were an independent league team. But some some of these guys are hard to find <laughs> what they're doing after after their playing career. But that two when he came back as a minor league free agent, and I think it was 2011. Whatever played in Colorado Springs, super again, super solid three over three hundred average in ninety one games with the with the Sky Sox. But yeah, that's this small little place in Rockies history. Just for that brief moment, a magical two thousand seven season, and then stealing a whole ton of bases in two thousand eight to set a franchise record. Crazy yeah, stuff. That's what's funny going back and, and seeing. And, and we see that sometimes they come to Colorado, have a revival, and then all of a sudden they disappear. Or uh-huh. they, they go to Colorado and 
kind of establish themselves, go off, make some money, and then they just disappear. And it's very few that that go on, you know, the Matt Holiday that goes on to have a super great career post Rockies. Uh, but Willie Taveras and Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. We can into that next guy because who was batting after Taveras? That would be one Kazuo Matsui from Japan. Sir. Just go ahead and jump right in. Number seven. I always remember him as Kazuo Matsui from Higashi Osaka, Japan. And he's a Mets guy. And Rockies made a trade for him in June of 2006. They traded Eli Marrero and brought in Kaz Matsui to, to take up that second base spot. And Matsui played for the Rockies at 2000, the rest of the 2006 season and all the 2007. And after that, he was granted free agency. He went over to Houston to have a, you know, a couple more good, good solid uh, years. And then from from Major League Baseball, mm-hmm. but it, once again, <laughs> a guy that was just there here and he's gone. Yeah, and is the thing the the kind of the, the mystique around him is in Japan. He's you know, one of the great players at the time. Was an MVP in Japan was a constantly a winner of a best of nine award, which is more or less just their like <laughs> MVP for in each individual p- position this season. They're all stars and such thing. So the Mets bring him over on that three year deal. And all right, he's going to be our shortstop of the future. Oh, bringing him over this veteran, good player from Japan. And he struggles. Doesn't really do well with the bat. Uh, he did do a weird thing of hitting a home run on the first pit in his first plate appearance three years in a row with the Mets, but just doesn't do it well. He was known for his glove in Japan was awful. at shortstop for the Mets. And so it, they figured it, he just needed to change the scenery and the Rockies decided to Dan O'Dowd. No, we, a lot of things that we problems that we can have with Dan O'Dowd, good and bad with him, but bringing in Kazmat Sui ended up being probably one of his best trades that panned out that little flash in the pan. But he said, I found this quote from Dan O'Dowd said, we'll, we'll see if we can relax him and get him in the right frame of mind. 
This guy was an impact premium middle of the diamond player. Now, whether we're getting that player or the player that struggled for two years in New York, we really don't know. It's a shot with a lot of upside for us. And we thought very, and we thought very little downside. We'll see how it turns out because the guy they send over old veteran utility guy wasn't doing much for him. They got like four, <laughs> got quite a bit of money from the Mets as well because they had to convince him to waive a no trade clause over to the Rockies. And so they send him down to AAA, and eventually they call him up. And in 2006, the final, <laughs> down the stretch in 2006, he had that revival that they were kind of hoping for. 126 plate appearances. He batted 345, had a 392 on base, and a 504 slugging. So uh, that was probably the turnaround they were <laughs> they were hoping for when they got him. Definitely, and that that primed him up for that 2007 season, um, locking him up there at second base. Uh, you know, a, a, the solid switch hitter. Like you said, and and, and that was something. Being Kazmat Stewie, you know, that little the year and a half that he played, success. He was fun to watch, and yeah. it was one of those things where I was like, "Would this be like a way that the Rockies can dip into the Japanese player market?" You know, uh, you know, it, it, that's it's cool, and and I kind of nerded out, and I remember seeing articles of of the Japanese baseball team that that played in Denver, and you know the there's there's history. Here in Colorado, I'm like, oh, that'd be so cool to have some kind of connection uh, with that in in the importance of of Japan or Japanese baseball. And mm-hmm. then he was gone, <laughs> so mm-hmm. it, it came and went too quick. But uh, yeah, it's looking. At... I always forget that he came. Yeah, I, I just thought 2007. Boom! They grabbed this free agent and. I'm like, oh wait, no, he was there the year before. Yeah, he was a trade, and then he's another one of those. Like, I thought he was with the Rockies longer. Like, I uh, they think back on it, like, oh yeah, because we had Clint Barmus and everything. But Matt Suey, you forget that he didn't play long, play past 2007 with us. Then he went over to the Astros, and you know, he came back on some minor league deals with the Rockies, but it didn't go anywhere. But you've, especially even looking in 2007, only 104 games that season. And Jamie Carroll played in more games than, than Kaz Matsui in 2007. But you, you think back, he was the second base staple for the majority of the season. At least that's what I remember. Or especially, it's mostly down the stretch. Because once that run started, especially, that lineup wasn't changing much. Yeah, and that takes us. What are a couple of his key moments in game 163? Got a base hit in that last inning. Uh-huh. And and so he was he was a he was a piece to that to that uh, to that game. And everybody's gonna remember his all-time Rockies best moment. Mm-hmm. Game two. 
unloaded on a baseball. <laughs> As I've been asking people on Twitter, this is the moment that came up the most in the division series against the Philadelphia Phillies, who everybody figured, oh, the Phillies are just going to stomp on the Rockies. Like This is going to be nothing. But they're trailing in that second game. They won game one, and then they're trailing, I believe they're in the, he had hit a tri- he hit a double in his first at bat, and then comes around again. The Rockies are still trailing. Bases are loaded. Kazmat Sui in two thousand seven had four home runs over the course of the season. Was slugging four hundred five. Had a two eighty eight average. So he's not a big power threat. Thirty seven RBIs. Bases loaded. Yeah, you probably have a good chance. Maybe get a couple runs back. Pitch inside, and he just turns on it. And unloads it to to send one out and ends up being a grand slam, puts the Rockies ahead and a lead they would never relinquish. And what was pretty interesting in that game itself, he drove in five runs. It was his first career grand slam. He became the first Japanese player to hit a grand slam in the postseason. He also became the second player ever after Lou Brock in game four of the 1968 World Series to hit a double, triple, and home run in a postseason game. He was a single short of the cycle in that game. <laughs> and he would have been, I think, one of the would have been the first player to have a cycle. Of all the people, Kazmatsui could have been the first player to have a cycle in the in the postseason. Dang. And he's a guy that had what, two thousand career hits? Mm-hmm. His lifetime hits. He's lifetime which is man that is it's so hard to hit a baseball Uh and that night in game two he just that baseball must have looked ball to him and i think that it was that game especially in that grand slam that was pretty much the backbreaker the the (laughs) the demoralizer for the philadelphia fans and the phillies themselves Philadelphia, just a boom. This is this is ours, and we're taking it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's. <laughs> there was a picture. I looked up the video on YouTube, and there's just one shot of this old lady, this old white-haired lady, and she's just, oh my goodness, just the perfect reaction to this grand slam <laughs> from from Kazmatsui. She's in a Rockies jersey. It's just really funny little thing and no even beyond that we think of all the the great no performances in that postseason no matt holiday especially kazmat sui was pretty dang good in that 2007 postseason went 14 for 46 for a 304 average uh 347 on base 500 slugging he had i think six rbis in total some triples the home run uh, just kept getting on base. And that was, I think the big thing and kind of what we think of with DJ LeMahieu when DJ finally established himself, it's just that perfect two hole hitter, just the table setter guy that just slap a single would get on base and come around to score. Yeah. And that's, you know, and, and, and he was a guy that just put the ball in play. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Those in 2007, 69 strikeouts, 
104 games, you know, we're looking at guys this past season that 200 strikeouts in the season or more, whatever mm-hmm. it was, it put it, especially Coors Field in play. And the thing was, if we had Willie Taveras on, still second, boom, uh, Matsui can slap one through the hole. Mm-hmm. Or whatever, and and you know that's the baseball that we, remembering those guys. It it was that you know kind of that old school baseball. And what's crazy is looking back at those stats. Kazmat Sui swiped thirty two bases. Mm-hmm. Two thousand seven. What is going? Where did all these stolen bases? Where did those go? Mm-hmm. You know, this year we had some. You know, we got some guys on base that are able to steal but looking back it's holy cow the Rockies had guys stealing bases mm-hmm. and it was fun baseball to watch yeah and Matt 84 runs scored that season in 104 games so he's almost basically scoring every single game that he's in which is absolutely crazy and there is some that probably doesn't much we can touch on was his defense was actually fantastic in 2007 the best it had ever been here in the states because oh he had struggled in with the Mets and everything but we finally saw what he could do with his glove in Colorado uh, for some of the more advanced metrics for folks defensive runs saved he had 14 defensive runs saved which is pretty phenomenal oh it's always a good number and the best of his career had an awesome defensive run saved with 14, his ultimate zone rating, which incorporates arm and range, all kinds of that stuff. Uh, 11.5, which is pretty good. And then a, in total a 992 fielding percentage, which again, the best of his career had his, I would encompass 2007 as the career year in the States for, for Kazmatsui. And I think, I think it says a lot about the grounds crew at Coors Field. How many, you know, how many times are Colorado Rockies infielders considered for the Gold Glove? Because Coors Field is just pristine. It's such a great field. The infield is just almost perfect every night, and. The other is just the coaches that work with the infielders. It's always been Colorado, always you know, historic, especially in the 2000s of that defense. The, of course, they need a good defense because of the ground ball pitching mentality. But there's always that, that extra work getting put in. And I think it was a great change of scenery for Matsui to go to Colorado and mm-hmm. have that the experience of those the coaching staff and working, you know, fielding wise, and just being being with Tulo, Todd Helton, and, and that, they just bring guys up to their level. Mm-hmm. After that week link, they're going to get you to look. This is the way we do things, and mm-hmm. like I said, that it was like you said a career year for him, and I'm glad it was with the Rockies. Yeah, oh, and no, it's a shame that things probably didn't pan out the way he had hoped, bringing that success over from Japan. But a nice little career, uh, 
think it's like seven or so years in the big leagues and uh, went back over to Japan, continued doing things over there. And now he's currently the manager of the Cebu Tigers over in Japan. So carrying on, sharing his knowledge now with a new generation of players. And how cool would that be for maybe some of those young guys in Japan that have grown up, maybe heard about Kaz Matsui, have followed his career type of things. Oh, it's cool. And it's, uh, I think a lot of people wish that the Rockies would maybe dip their, their toes back into to that market a little bit more because there's just cool, special players, cool guys to bring over and, and expand your fan base. Cause <laughs> how many Japan Japanese, no fans were following the Rockies in 2007, watching that stretch just to watch Kazmatsui type of thing. Got to get Shohei. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that would be amazing, but we can't afford that. <laughs> or one of the the new ones coming over, new guys coming over. Yep. But yeah, it's but he was that staple, and I just remember one last thing. Uh, we had those Rocktober like 2007 sweaters. I still have one somewhere. Uh, just kind of like pullover sweater, and has some of the highlights. There's like Todd Helton, Tulowitzki, Holiday, and then there's a little Kazmatsui right there in the little lineup of players on the front of the the sweater. So good times. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one of a kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. But that's going to bring us up here to our last guy that we'll touch on here. And it's closing out the end of games. Or ended up closing out a lot of end of games in 2007. But uh, spent a, pretty much the majority, all but one season of his career, uh, playing for the Rockies in the big leagues. And that is one Manuel Corpus out of the bullpen. Hailing from Panama. All right. Yes, sir. Number 60, Manny Corpus, right-handed reliever, as you said, from Panama. Not very many of those, but the Rockies do have some Panamanian ties lately in their bullpen. Um, he was actually signed you know, as a young man in 1999 by the Rockies, uh, ended up making his debut in 2006 with the Rockies, played for the Rockies uh, for six years, so from 2006 to 2010, and then he came back in 2013 
um, and then ended up um, out of Major League Baseball and played, bounced around quite a bit uh, in the independent leagues. Um, made an appearance down in Mexico and, you know, played for Team Panama in the World in the world baseball classic but uh manny corpus the closer the the filling closer took over 2007 squad yeah and looking back over his highlights in his career it's one of those things where like corpus was a solid reliever but i don't he never reached probably that elite status that he maybe would have hoped for or he definitely wasn't able to replicate the success he had in those first two seasons in 2006 and 2007 of his career, where well, we can focus on those here real quick of, he was that exciting young arm in the bullpen, especially there in 2007, when he took over that closer role at the age of 24, filling in, taking over for Brian Fuentes, who when we talked about Fuentes with uh, Patrick Lyons of DNVR, of several episodes ago, but he takes over and, and locks it down you know, halfway through the season. Yeah, he he came in in that see that 2007 season, a you know a, a 208 ERA for a Rockies reliever, uh, the closer. Uh, he ends up making 19 saves in that 2007 regular season, 78 innings, and following years um you know he, he got this about the same amount kind of jumped up i think on the, you know in the era and then 2009 struggled 2010 kind of had a little bit of revival with 10 saves and then and then i think the injuries kind of caught up to him and he was never never able to get back to that same many corpus but Stats for the Rockies was uh, a four hundred one ERA mm-hmm. for a Rockies reliever, which you know playing playing at Coors, we always say with all these pitchers, if you're anywhere in the three four range, dang, that's a, that's a great career for the Rockies in Coors pitching at Coors Field. But what I what always stuck out with to me with Manny Corpus was he did have a, a little bit of that leg kickish uh, it was just different in that arm angle and uh-huh. he'd get that that sink on the ball that's what made him so effective and especially when everything clicked in that 2000 when he moves in to that closer role it was like automatic manny corpus is up this game is shut down uh-huh. We talked about it before. Is that play to end the season, where he the slow roller dribbler up the third base line, and he picks it up off balance and flings it over. Oh, hell, we got it. We made it. I was at the stadium that game. I was at Coors Field that game, and we were kind of trying to scope out and get some better seats, right? And I remember we were we're back in the concourse behind home play or behind third and home. 
and I remember looking over and seeing him getting them. Like as soon as he let it go, I was like, "Oh, this is going. It's going out going to right field. Come on, what are they doing?" And they get it, and I just remember the whole stadium just going nuts. Uh huh. Yeah, we were <laughs> trying to look up the highlight, and I pulled up the uh, the twenty one days the Rocktober documentary that uh, the regional sports channel or whatever made back in the day. And I was showing that and it was Todd Hilton just freaking out. He's jumping up and down. Rarely have to get in that catch because no, they hadn't won anything yet. That is the thing. They weren't in anything yet, but they were waiting for the, cause they had to watch the Padres and Brewers uh, match, I guess game <laughs> wait for them to finish up their matchup. But Court Manny Corpus had that quote where he's like, uh, there's a play I didn't believe in. Like I couldn't believe that it happened. And but somehow everything was perfect. It worked out. Cause yeah, it's one of those plays where what's he doing coming off the mound to pick that up? But he does and, and kind of makes that weird like pulling like the holster draw as if he was like pulling out a revolver or something from his hip or yeah. like you're skipping a rock, pulls out and fires from the hip. And off balance and perfect strike to first base, which is a further testament to the just magic of Rocktober <laughs> and then that and that streak was there probably was some divine intervention on that little pair of fingers coming and grabbing the ball and directing it. <laughs> but yeah, th- I think that's the highlight people think of is for Manny Corpus, especially is he was that he anchored that bullpen when they needed it in 2007. And he continued to close out games. No, 19 saves and 22 chances, which pretty good for basically a rookie who took over a no, pitching in some of the biggest games of his career. Oh yeah. And, and that success continued into the playoffs. He had ended up having five saves Eight seven ERA. An amazing, but he only gave up the one run in ten innings, uh, and it like like the, the guys we've talked about already. It, it he was here and then poof, it was it was it was he was gone, mm-hmm. and unfortunately, like I said, the injuries. the shoulder, the arm issues. And when he came back in 2013, I was, I always loved Manny Corpus and just, you know, his demeanor and going out there. And I was, I was so heartbroken in 2013 when, you know, he, he did, he played, but it just wasn't the same, same guy, Uh especially in the 2007 season. Yeah, and like looking over his career, I think the the thing that you no know, got him the most with his struggles or why he wasn't able to replicate is you no know, the strikeouts took a huge dip after 2007. He had a 19% strikeout rate in 2007, and the walk he just struggled with walks in his career. It's kind of effectively wild for a lot of the part where he was walking guys. Yeah, he could get strikeouts, but it was just so many walks were catching up to him over the years. 
because he wasn't blown at past guys. He was that sinker slider combo. And if he wasn't locating guys are getting on base, then he'd have to throw it over the play and then he's getting hit. And no guys just started to, to hit more against him where no, especially late in games, he wasn't able to replicate that success in Houston street, then became a closer. Raphael Betancourt took over as closer and he just sort of settled into no seventh, eighth inning type of guy, which you need guys like that. But he was still solid in that, but wasn't the same closer that he, he could have been that he showed in 2007. But still a a solid career. And like mentioned, just a staple Rockies bullpen, Rockies history of a homegrown reliever that found some general success in a Rockies uniform. And then he went on, you know, he, he was a, a baseball guy. I love seeing he stayed in it as recently as 2022 mm-hmm. in the Pecos league uh, playing and, and managing. So yeah, I, from, I was looking from at the time. <laughs> I was looking at his Pecos league numbers from 2022. He was with the Martinez Sturgeon. He was the player coach, player manager. Uh, they replaced him after 2022, after they went 19 and 31, I guess. But he'd bounced around in the Pecos League. But last season, he pitched 20 games, made 10 starts. How many innings do you think he threw? Yeah, I don't know. I'm scared. 114 innings in 20 games. Oh, across 10 starts. <laughs> he had a 4.26 ERA. I think he had like a nine and three record or nine and four. When you're the manager, you can just <laughs> keep yourself out there as long as you want, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you tired? No, I'm good. All right. You're staying in. Good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I just figured like at 40 years old or whatever, he's going out there and being a workhorse. He just mowing down all these kids right out of high school that want to go play junior college baseball or whatever. I was like, oh, this is the this is a kid that didn't have enough, good enough grades to stay in college, so they're out in the, mm-hmm. the Pecos League and stuff. Oh man, that's crazy. <laughs> but you know, the, looking at more people, there's somebody Caden Royer over on Twitter said, Manny taught me how to catch at a baseball camp in middle school. Absolutely amazing guy. And I think that was kind of the the general one that, you know, you mentioned people talk about his demeanor, just a, a good dude. Oh, one of those nice guys. Had a solid career. Wasn't as you no know, great as we had hoped, maybe. But it, it was a solid career, you know, that he carved out for himself. You know, and he'll forever be part of that. Like uh, Tavares and Matsui, part very important parts of that 2007 season. And you know, we always look back at him fondly, and look. I and and with Corpus, I think that's when the Rockies look back like what worked with that guy. We developed him. That success 
that was an international signing. Mm-hmm. We're not hearing that as much, you know. Um, where's that development? How's it going? And what's what's also cool is being a, a one of the few players from Panama. That was always something that I thought was really cool. We always think of Puerto Rico and the Dominican and maybe Cuba, Venezuela. But then these smaller, these other places, Nicaragua, Panama, um, the Rockies have had a, a lot of success with Mexican baseball players. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, Vinny Castilla and Jorge de la Rosa. And this guy, boom, from Panama that made his mark. And hopefully we can have more guys like him. Yeah. Yeah. Especially pitchers because the position players will come. But I think especially pitching, um, you look around the league, you look around baseball, and where are all the most exciting relievers and, and pitchers, starting pitchers, a lot of those exciting guys coming from it's from that international market down there in Latin America and Central America, everywhere. No, and they're eager. They're, they want to work. They want to play baseball and they're hungry for it. And oh, Manny Corpus, he was a competitor and had his, had struggles on the mound, but powered through and, and made a name for himself one way or another. And no, spent all but one season in Colorado had that one season that he was in 2012 was with the Cubs probably for his benefit. Cause he wasn't with the Rockies in that awful year, <laughs> but Oof. no, every time he, when he, but Colorado was one of those things where he was comfortable there. Kind of like Yuli Shasin was comfortable in Colorado, liked pitching there, liked the organization. And ultimately that's what helped him perform is he liked being here and was comfortable. Says a lot. But I think that's going to bring close here to this edition of Every Rocky Ever. A couple of these 2007 guys. Well, like we mentioned, they're, they're not the big stars in the hell, but they're part of that legend, part of that mythos of that Rocktober run. And Corpus got to be part of the next one in 2009. Got to play a role and and wasn't the closer, but he got to participate and was a setup man for Houston Street. Uh, he did his part. And uh, they weren't here. So the other guys weren't here long, but they made a mark in the brief time that they had. Also, steal bases. <laughs> oh, yeah. Steal more bases. Yep. We got to get, we got to get Nolan Jones and Brenton Doyle. Look at these guys. <laughs> Nolan Jones, you can start hitting more home runs, but uh, Brenton Doyle, when you feel like you can't hit anything, just drop down that bunt. Yeah. Call up Garrett Hampson and say, hey, how's it done? As Willie, tell me how it's done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah one way or another look to the past there's some success to learn from there but you can find us over on x formerly known as twitter at every rocky ever uh, you can also go check out all of our past episodes find us on your streaming for free on your favorite podcast app be sure to leave a review like whatever and let us know how we're doing let us know what other rockies 
you'd want us to talk about or uh, your your memories on the guys that we talk about as well be sure to follow at rocky mtn rooftop to stay up to date on the regular flagship show affected by altitude we have new episodes every week a lot of fun stuff always rambling over there and yeah you can always find me over writing at purplerow.com and fansfirstsports.com writing all the time doing as much as i can and you can find me at sideline underscore crowd on twitter and dustin you can find him at mr t spanish i haven't seen him doing kicking stuff on tiktok i tell you this year is just struggle just like the rockies were but i got my avalanche themed rockies hat Rockies back nuggets started to back up again so uh, I might start reviving the every abs ever over there that I, that we had, but it's all good. And and I love listening, checking you guys out with uh, by altitude and keeping up with the Rocky stuff and and what's going to be an interesting off season and might have some more guys that get added to our list of every Rocky ever and mm-hmm. either coming or going. So it's always fun to talk about them. Yeah. Fun stuff. Well, until next time, this has been every Rocky ever. We'll see you next time. Farewell. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. 